Welcome to the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with your host, the Ginger Howdy beans and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with me, your host, Luke the Human. Um, hope you're doing well. Hope you're all good as per usual. Today is going to be a very, very special episode because it's my 65th episode of the Nerd Stalgic Podcast. Well, technically, it's my 65th episode of my main quest uh, episodes. Because back in the day, for all those that know, uh, I used to do main quests and side quests, and side quests were like a little side bonus sort of episode that I used to do, and that it ended up turning into I just did it for when like the Marvel shows would come out, so I'd review Moon Knight and and stuff like that. And in the end, I just realised that I didn't have the time to do two episodes a week, and it brought down the quality of the main quest as well. So I figured I would just do main quest. Um, so in total, I think I've done about 62... Oh, no, sorry. Tell lie. I've done 82 uh, episodes in total since I started. But this is my 65th episode in the main quest series. So it's very, very important. And it, it's it's something I want to celebrate. But before I get into the topic and before I get into the whole celebration, one thing that I do want to say is that make sure that you follow me on Twitter at nerdstagic underscore pod to keep up to date when I eventually reach my 100 episode. It's going to be a big celebration there, as well as to keep up to date on everything and anything that I'm doing, anything that I'm watching, playing, uh, reading, anything that I'm, you know, enjoying, not enjoying, all that sort of thing. Follow me at Twitter at nerdstagic underscore pod for updates there. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, um, and all that jazz. What I've started doing now is I've started doing pinned comments at the top of every episode. So if you go down to the comment section, there'll be a pinned uh, comment with a question. Most likely it will be, what do you think of the episode? Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think about the topic? All that jazz. So just reply to that, and then we can start a bit of a dialogue. So I think it'll be quite fun. So if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. If you're not... Uh, search the Nerd Stagic podcast on YouTube and then you find me there and subscribe and yeah it'd be fantastic we'll grow and uh, you know we'll have a bit of fun so um, as I mentioned today is my 65th uh, celebration episode and the the topic that I chose uh, for this episode was going to talk about um, well it, it, it's it's going to be a bit strange one so I'm going to try to explain it um, but I'm going to be talking about uh, Del Toro's uh, rendition, shall we say, because we've got to use fancy word because we're, ta- we're talking about Guillermo Del Toro here. Um, but Del Toro, Del Toro's uh, trans- uh, rendition of Pinocchio, of that classic story. And the reason I decided to do this topic was that um, in season one, one of my most popular episodes that I did um, on YouTube was Pinocchio. I think it got um, in the range of... uh, When I started doing to YouTube, not many of my episodes were very much successful. Um, And it wasn't until I started posting, when I did the review for Pinocchio, um, that it really bumped up. Now, if I check here quickly for Pinocchio, where are you? Pinocchio Remake, it got 49 views, which I know doesn't sound huge, but I've said this many times, when you're doing a podcast, 
that is all audio based and then when you try to go to a medium like YouTube which is mostly all video based um, it's really hard to get people to want to listen it's really hard to get people to be invested when they're listening to something um, especially again when YouTube is a, is a video format mostly um, true and true trying to get people to want to actually sit and listen to something that they can't see is a bit difficult so to know that when I did my Pinocchio re remake, even though it didn't do very well on Spotify and everywhere else, to know that it did 44, 49 people um, were interested, almost 50, and it's one of my most successful episodes I've ever done on YouTube, I figured, why not, why not you know, compare? You know, so the Disney one, if anybody who hasn't went back and watched it or anybody listened to it, I highly recommend you do. Uh, but to give you sort of a, a brief sort of update... Um, I liked the movie. I thought it was all right, but I didn't feel like it was needed uh, because it was only a few things changed here and there. And yes, it looked good in the terms of the CGI and the way that Pinocchio looked. And I thought that Tom Hanks did a somewhat all right job as Geppetto. Um, I still feel like, you know, if you've seen the classic, that's all you really need. Uh, and that like it was a remake, again, that wasn't needed, um, like most of the most modern um Disney re live action remakes not all of them are needed not all of them are good changes and unless you're going to do something completely different like you keep the story the same but do something completely different I don't see any point of remastering them and it's going to be the same with The Little Mermaid which I will watch and I will review because I loved The Little Mermaid growing up as most people my age and my generation did um, so that'll be one I'll look into but I, I figured considering that the Disney's Pinocchio came out, and then not long later, a couple of months later, the Del Toro version of Pinocchio uh, came out on Netflix, which I, I sadly never got around to watching because around that time, I think I was doing, getting ready, I was currently recording the Resident Evil stuff, and then I was getting ready to start my um, Chronicles of Narnia um, big sort of Christmas special that I never got round to looking at it. So I figured for the 65th episode, I would cross compare. Uh, I would watch uh, Del Toro's Pinocchio, which is meant to be a lot darker, a lot more grittier, a lot more sort of true to form to the original story. Um, that thought it'd be quite interesting. And one thing that I actually didn't do um, for the Disney version of Pinocchio was actually talk a bit more about Pinocchio. So I thought I'd give you a bit of a backstory to, to the actual beginnings of Pinocchio because there's a lot of things I actually didn't think because I originally thought that Pinocchio was written by the Brothers Grimm. Now, if anybody doesn't know the Brothers Grimm, the Brothers Grimm um, took German folk, folk tales and German stories and made them a bit more mainstream, sort of put them more into the... Um, I was going to say lexicon, but more of the sort of brains of people who weren't German sort of made uh, made them more mainstream. You know, that's sort of word I'm looking for. But apparently it wasn't made by the Brothers Grimm. It was made by an Italian chap called Carlo um, Collidi, um, C-O-L-L-O-D-I. I'm butchering his last name. Um, he, the tale of the wooden puppet Pinocchio created by a carpenter in Florence may arguably be the most widely known children's tale. Now, new research reveals that this story was written by Carlo Codini in one, 130 years ago on July the 7th, 1981, has deep roots in reality. Apparently. Um, I, I don't remember hearing about any sort of magic boy, um, but apparently it has deep roots in reality. Um, it, was religiously, it was originally published uh, in a serial form as the story of a puppet, um, trying to get through all the Italian, in the uh, 
Giornel per il Bambari. I'm butchering it. Sorry, I'm, I don't speak Italian. So if I butcher anybody's Italian, I really do apologize. Hopefully I don't offend anybody. One of the earliest Italian weekly magazines for children, starting from the 7th of July, 1881. The story stopped after nearly four months and eight episodes at Chapter 15, but by popular demand from readers. The episodes were resumed on the 16th of February, 1882. In February 1883, the story was published in a single book. Uh, since then, the spread of Pinocchio on the main markets for children's books of the time has been continuous and uninterrupted, and it, it was met with enthusiastic reviews worldwide. A universal icon and a metaphor of the human condition, the book is considered a... a oh, hold on canological piece of children's literature and has had great impact on world culture. Philosopher Benedetto Croce considered it one of the greatest works of Italian literature. Since its first publication, it has inspired hundreds of new editions, styles, plays, merchandising, TV series and films such as Walt Disney's iconic animated version and commonplace ideas such as Lies Long Nose. Um, so I thought originally it, it was a sort of German story, but apparently it's an Italian sort of story. Um, the main plot of the original story is that in, Tusc in Tuscany, Italy, a carpenter named Master Antonio has found a block of wood that he plans to carve into a table leg. Frightened when the log cries out, he gives the log to his neighbour Geppetto, a poor man who plans to make a living as a, puppet as a puppeteer. Geppetto carves the block into a boy and names him Pinocchio. As soon as Pinocchio's feet are carved, he tries to kick Geppetto. Once the puppet has been finished and Geppetto teaches him to walk, Pinocchio runs out the door and away into the town. He is caught by a... Oh, that's a Italian word. Um, Carabinieri, who assumes Pinocchio has been mistreated and imprisons Geppetto. I would imagine that is police. Um, yeah, I would imagine that's the police. Uh, I've seen... Um, a, the, an Italian version of Pinocchio uh, which came out a couple years ago and it was very strange and it's nothing like the Disney version as you, as I've said many times when Disney take oh, the old fashioned stories um, they change them a lot um, like The Little Mermaid which is I think is, is I think it's a Dutch story um, or it might be an Italian story but the original version of uh, The Little Mermaid is quite dark is quite sort of um uh, not really for children, but you you kind of see that in the, in the Little Mermaid story. Like even though the Disney they Disneyfied it, they still kind of shown you how sort of dark uh, the story is originally. Um, so they might change things, but you know the older the older sort of literature sides of us, or even the adult side of us, um, will notice these sort of things and realize actually how dark um, these these movies and stories actually are. Um, but I just found it quite interesting. So you got like Lewis Carroll and Oscar Wilde wrote their stories in England. Hans Christian Andersen wrote The Little Mermaid in Denmark. See, it is a Denmark story. Uh, the Brothers Grimm, or the Grimm Brothers, rediscovered the old tales of Germany um, and then retold them in their own way. And in Italy, Carlo Cordini wrote Pinocchio. So I was wrong about the Brothers Grimm, but I was right about uh, The Little Mermaid being written in Denmark because I, 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 I had a feeling it was. I didn't feel like it was an Italian story. But anyway, that's the little backstory of Pinocchio. Um, before I actually get on to the review, because 
I haven't watched the movie yet. Um, I do want to talk about um, Gamero del Toro. I always get tongue-tied for his name. I just call him del Toro. It's so much easier for me being dyslexic. Um, but I just wanted to talk about my love of, of Dotero's movies and how, uh, how he, how he, how, what I love about his movies and what I love about cinema is that I love creative movies. I love movies that are very sort of odd, are very weird in, in the way that they tell stories, the way how they're creative. Um, one of my favourite, I'm just on my computer now, I'm just typing, one of my favourite sort of other directors is Wes Anderson. I love his movies like Phantom Mr. Fox, Moonshine Kingdom, uh, The French Dispatch, which I've watched, The Grand, Grand, the Great, the, the Grand Budapest Hotel, The Life Aquatic, uh, Isle of Dogs, you know, I could, I could list Rushmore, I, I could list his movies for ages. And the reason I love his films are because how creative and ardent and strange they are. And that's what I love about uh, Toro, is that he's he takes the the idea of cinema and he has his own way of doing it. He has his own his own style. You just know when you watch a movie like this is this is a Del Toro film. Uh, the way he does the lighting, the way his characters and his monsters look, and the way he tells stories, everything is just done in such a way that it's very creative. It's very expressive. It's very old fashioned. You know where everything is done practically. There's there's hardly any CGI unless CGI is needed. But then even then, it's just to fluff off fluff. Yeah, that was the word I'm using. There just to fluff off what is already there. But most of it is all practical. Most of it is all sort of if you see it, it's there. You know if the characters are, are there, they are there. They can touch the sets. They can touch the characters because everything is real. You know what I mean? And I love that. It adds more to the beauty and to the old-fashioned style of movie making. Because I'm a very old soul. Yes, I'm 25. I'm very young being. But I love old cinema. I love black and white movies. Because, you know, they they couldn't rely on CGI. They couldn't rely on sort of big, massive computers and stuff like that. Because they didn't have that technology. So everything had to be real. Everything had to be practical. And I feel like this is what a lot of modern movies are missing, is that because they don't do modern practical effects as much as they used to, they don't send to, they don't really stand the test of time. Well, like, for example, off the top of my head, um, Terminator 2. Right, so you've got the T-1000, and it's running after John Connor um, in that little sort of, um, what's it called now, um, where they put the cars where all the cars are. Yeah, big parking lot, you know. And um, as John's going away with uh, Arnold, uh, the Terminator, Terminator's gone around and he shoots at the T-1000. And you have those moments where, like, it pops. And you can tell, like, you have this big sort of hole where, like, it's gone through the metal and it's, it burst out, right? That was a real effect. That's not CGI. Um, if I remember correctly, it was um, compressed. Mo so what they did, they got moulds. And they got like a little sort of gun, sort of little pellet gun, and they shot it into um, these molds. And whatever would the gunshots would make, um, they would sort of plaster cast the molds and sort of fold them in, and have sort of a sort of um, special effects guy off screen. So whenever Arnold would press the shoot button, he would, as the as the actor would be running, he'd have those moments where um, so one shot. Boom, and it would burst in his chest, and they'd keep running, and then hit the actor would react, and then boom, another one. It would all be practical effects, and that scene, st uh, scene, still looks good today because it was done in practical effects. And even though I've seen um, the Terminator 2 extended edition, Blu-ray, you know, all up-resed, and looks better for modern TVs and all this uh, jazz, um, that scene still looks good 
because it's real because it actually happened that is what it would look like if the t1000 was real and you shot him with a shotgun you know what i mean and that is what it's missing i feel like if they did that fully in cgi it would look janky it would look bad i've like again as i mentioned the blu-ray upscales you've probably seen them in old movies not all the time whenever movies upscaled or made to look better for modern tvs do they look good especially when you have old cgi and stuff like that you just can't fix that kind of stuff um and it always looks janky and going back to del toro this is what i love about him because even now he still uses practical effects Pinocchio, this one, it's a stop-motion film. You know, and stop-motion spans the test of time. This is why I love Wallace and Gromit. Why why Wallace and Gromit is still fantastic. And I'm a big fan of Aardman and The Chicken Run and stuff like that. Those movies still look good because it's real. You know what I mean? Um, So I just wanted, not just to express my love, but I wanted to talk about some of my my favourite sort of um, Del Toro movies. Um top of the list has to be hellboy i loved hellboy i still love hellboy um ron Pullman's run as hellboy is the best run of, of hellboy i'll be honest i have watched the newer hellboy which i think has came out 2018 2019 um with the guy from stranger things i did have his name and then i've lost it um but i think he did a good job um as hellboy i just feel like the the script wasn't there and that you know the action sequences and all that were a bit sort of um you know pants really um i couldn't enjoy it it just wasn't great um i can't, i have his name on top of my head but it, it, it keeps going every time i'm gonna have to type it in do you mind me i'm gonna have to type this into my computer uh hellboy 2018 hellboy 2019 it was David Harbour. I knew it was David Harbour. I knew it was David something, right? Uh, but yeah, the 2019 movie, wasn't a big fan. It was two hours long, two hours too long, to be honest, really. Um, but David Harbour did a good job as Hellboy. But, you know, always comes back to Ron Perlman's run on Hellboy. I grew up with it. I loved it. Enjoy it. even like Golden Army. Even though a lot of people don't really talk about Golden Army and really enjoy it, they mostly talk about the first Hellboy, which I understand. The first one is incredible. Um... But even Golden Army was really, really good. And I would have liked the sequel. But De Toro, he said, like, if I'm going to make the, like a third movie, it's going to need to be, like, I think it was, like, 120 million or maybe more to really do this movie right. And no studio in their right mind is going to give Del Toro that much money or give anybody that much money to make a movie, especially when you actually sort of factor in that the Hellboy series, even though it's, it's a cult classic and it's widely loved, it never really did that well at the box office. I'm surprised they got a, the first one got a sequel, if I'm being honest. But so even though they're widely loved, they never did quite well. Nobody really went to go see them. And it's only now that they're getting a cult classic status, which most things do that way. Most things flop first and get a cult classic later. Um, so what he wanted, he wasn't going to get. Um, but I always said like, I would happily get a third Hellboy movie if they did it animated. Um, you know, if that's how if Del Toro wanted to tell his story. Um, I would still happily watch it as an animated form just to kind of wrap up that story. Uh, but we probably will never get it, and that's a shame. But top of the list has to be Hellboy. Um, I love the first Pacific Rim movie. I've said this many times before. I love kaiju movies. I love King Kong. I love Godzilla. I love giant monsters fighting other monsters. And you, you take giant robots and giant monsters. I'm there for it. I love Pacific Rim. I have it on Blu-ray. Fantastic film. 
Again, again, of course, you can't do practical effects there, but the creature design and the robot designs and, and everything that just goes into that movie, when he can do practical effects, he does, and everything just looks so wonderful. And I do recommend to watch that movie in Blu-ray. Oh, it would just blow you away. It's, it's oh, just a gorgeous film. So well done. Such a mastercraft. Uh, another film that I enjoy, um, that I like of his, which again is only... F f kind of didn't flop, but didn't do quite well at first, but only now he's kind of being seen as a cult classic, is um, Crimson Peak. Fantastic movie. Vampires, horror, old-fashioned horror, old-fashioned sort of styling of doing, of doing sort of creepy suspense sort of movie. Um, great film. Underrated. Highly recommend it. Um, also, another movie that, again... Uh, not many people have seen, and it is weird. I will admit, it's a very weird movie, and um, it's kind of like Bioshock meets sort of um, sort of like a love story. Um, but it's Shape of Water. It's again, it's a weird film. It's a very weird film, especially how the main character doesn't talk; she speaks in sign language. Um, and then you have the other other main character, which is the Fishman. Um, he doesn't say anything. Uh, but you still believe that they fall in love. You still believe there's a bond. You still believe that they actually, she falls in love with him and he falls in love with her. Even though there's no language, it's done in such a beautiful way with music and with set design and with sort of incredible acting by, by both partners as well as the, the uh, background actors and, and the support actors. They all do a fantastic job that you fully believe that, yeah, they're in love. And Dumbrug is a strange film. That it's a very sort of art piece, very strange film. There, there is a moment where she has like bestiality sex with a fishman, but we'll gloss over that. Um, it's a fantastic film, nonetheless. Highly, highly underrated. Um, but one thing I will say, and I'm, I'm going to lose all credibility here, and I know I will, because I can't call myself a Del Toro fan if I haven't seen this film, um, and I, I still feel bad about it. Is that I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I meant to have watched it when I was in school for when we did media, um, but that day the teacher wasn't wasn't very well, um, so couldn't bring in the copy of the film. So again, we had to kind of we had to kind of move on with the course, so we couldn't watch the film. Um, and I have been meaning to go back many times to actually watch the film. I even thought about reading the book at one stage. I was going to buy the book and read it. But I was like, no, I want to re watch the film first. Um, so I still haven't watched Pan's Labyrinth, which is his magnum opus, or so I've been told. Um, but I will, I promise. And what I'm planning to do, I've actually written it down, is that I will go back and I will watch Pan's Labyrinth for the podcast eventually, um, hopefully in season two, if not season three. So I will do it eventually. Um, I, I am a fan of Del Toro. It's just I haven't got around to watching that one film of his, but I will, I promise. Um, one thing I want, one side note I want to mention before we move on to the review. Is that good? Del Toro, I haven't watched it yet, but I've been told it's really, really good, especially if you like horror and classic movies. Is Del Toro did a documentary on Netflix recently, which I'm blanking on the name, um, but he he did a documentary about horror movies and classic films and cinema and stuff like that. So if you like that sort of thing, you like Del Toro, um, I've been told it's really, really good, and I have been meaning to get around to watching it, and hopefully I'll watch it soon. Um, but I recommend go watching that if you just like Del Toro. Um, so yeah, that's everything for the introduction. It's a bit of a long introduction. I haven't done an introduction this long in a very, very long time. But there's a lot to say, and I'm quite excited. As I mentioned, I haven't seen the movie yet, as of recording this anyway. Um, but um, I'm re really looking forward to it. I'm really, really excited. Um, it's all sort of, you know, stop motion, which I love already. It's a lot darker, a lot grittier, a lot more sort of um, mature, shall we say. Which, again, the original story, Pinocchio, 
is very sort of mature because um, back in the day when they used to do kids sort of stories they didn't hold back um, anybody who grew up in the 90s and 80s who watched sort of movies like the the the, the black cauldron you know or uh, land, land before time or all dogs go to heaven you know movies like this these movies didn't hold back they were brutal you know they they showed characters dying and it was very like anybody watch watership down you know that was a story for kids and if anybody watched that animated movie was scarred for life i know i was uh you know um nowadays again they, they they tend to not show those darker sort of scenes and they kind of sort of move back to it like they can have dark subject matters but they tend to steer away from those sort of things but original stories back in the day even kids movies like they never spoke down to kids it was a fact of yeah it's a kid's story but if somebody gets killed or somebody gets their throat slit that's just the story the end you know what i mean i'm not saying it happens in pinocchio but i'm just saying you know i like the idea of taking the older sort of stories and telling them how they were how they were instead of changing them to kind of fit a brand or to fit sort of a sort of topic just taking it as it is and showing it and I've, i i trust in del toro that he took the source material put his own spin on it but kept it the way it was so um my hopes are high very high and i'm really looking forward to it so i'm going off to watch the movie now you're lucky enough to hear my thoughts and reports and uh, feelings next so i hope they're good hope they're positive um but we'll see um so i'll catch you in a minute in the review so here we are in the review of Gomero del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, usually when I do any sort of review, whether it be a video game or especially movie, um, I tend to, as soon as I've seen the film, I would do a quick review with my notes and I will just like fresh as a daisy straight from the horse's mouth, um, my thoughts and feelings of what I thought of the film. The thing is, when I watched this movie, it was one of those where... I was all ready. I had the headset and I had the notes and everything ready to sit and record. But I just sat there and I thought, this is a movie where you don't rush. This movie is art. This is a creative genius, Guillermo del Toro, at his, his best. And he's produced something that is gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful, outstanding, amazing, wonder bubble. You know what I mean? It was just another level of just creativity. And it deserves more time to, to dwell, to sit, to think, to, to mellow over, to like a fine wine, to mature with age and to become more rounded. Um, so I spent, you know, a, a little while sitting and thinking about this movie, um, listen, thinking about the music, thinking about the actual, um, the characters and everything that goes into to, to this film, even the making of this movie, I sat and watched the making of Pinocchio after the movie finished. I sat and watched the making of, you know what I mean? Like I took everything in that I could um, for this movie. I watched YouTube videos on, on the Netflix's YouTube about this film. And I just had to know everything because I just, I just was in awe. I, I just fell in love. Um, so I finally feel like I've I've reached a point now where I could, fully talk about this movie and how it made me feel and um how great it is and how much better if i'm being honest it is till to the um 
uh, what was it 2020 2021 um disney remake of uh pinocchio uh that came out last year um it's so much better so 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 much better i promise you that um but we'll get there you know i've got a long list i've got a lot of notes and we're going to get through it so we're going to go step by step and i think it's going to be a really fun one but generally i, I love this movie I just want to say that now. I love it. I, I'm I'm in love. I really am. Um, so for starters, this movie is stop motion, all stop motion from start to finish, which again I love. I, I've I've spoke about this introduction. Um, stop motion is one of those forms of animation that is still, in my opinion, the the purest form of animation. One thing that I loved about I'm a big fan of animation. If you've been listening to my podcast, if you're listening to me um, from the beginning, you know that I'm a big fan of animation. I love old school animation. I love hand drawn. I not like I not just grew up on hand drawn. Majority of the movies that I watched growing up were hand drawn. You know, the first ever like CGI sort of um, computer generated movie that I ever watched was um, Pixar's Toy Story, and I think that was the same for most people my age and generation. But apart from that, even Disney was still doing hand-drawn animated movies, even when Pixar Pixar was doing like the Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story. You know what I mean? Um, DreamWorks, again, DreamWorks, some of the best years of DreamWorks was when they did hand-drawn animation. Um, Sinbad, for example, is absolutely a gorgeous movie that a lot of people haven't seen, but it was one of DreamWorks' film, and that's a gorgeous hand-drawn animated movie. And again, I... I love computer generated films, but I feel like when we started going more computer, when we started going more synthetic, like synthetic, you know, when we got away from the, the meat and potatoes, the flesh, the organic human element, and we just went straight to run it through a computer, we lost all the creative juice. We lost all of the creative flavor, you know, like, yeah, we can make big and wonderful, fantastical scenes and make things look realistic and make things look beautiful. And wow, that looks incredible. But you lose the human spirit. You use the human element. You lose the creativity. You use the power and, and the essence and, and the, the whole thing that makes the cake beautiful. You've lost all the flavor. Everything looks gorgeous. It's 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 a sponge cake with no flavor. I haven't used that um, saying in a long time, um, but it's a sponge cake with no flavor. It looks great on the outside, but on the inside, it just feels to me a lover of animation. It just feels bare, you know. And it's only since recently where I've seen animators actually take the computer animate computer generated um, effects and turn it into something that looks hand-drawn, like Into the, uh, the Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. That movie looked hand-drawn, uh, but I don't think it was. I think that was all animated, but it looked, it. you know, it, it, a lot of movies are going back to the old style now because that's what people want to see. That's what people love and remember. I haven't seen Puss in Boots 2 yet, but I've been told that runs the same vein. That goes back into the way it used to be. And I'm really looking forward to watching Puss in Boots 2. And, I know I've gone off a bit in tandem a bit, but I'll bring it back around. The reason I bring that up is because one of the last purest forms of animation that's still around today, in my opinion, is stop motion. Because in stop motion, you still have that human element. You have the errors. You have the the mistakes. You have the thumb prints. You can see the individual bits of crinkles of somebody's thumb and fingerprint on the character's face or body. If you look closely at the backgrounds and, and the sets, these are handmade sets. This is why these movies last forever. This is why you know you can watch the you know Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run. 
the movies that came out, like Chicken Run came out in like 2000, 2001, um, still looks good today. You can watch like the old fashioned, like The Wrong Trousers, which is my favorite Wallace and Gromit movie. And it still looks good today. And even the older ones, when the first ones were like, they were still trying to figure out how Wallace and, and how Gromit would look. And, you know, stop motion was still quite, no, those still look relatively good. Even though, yes, you know, it's not fantastic, they still to look relatively good because it's real. It happened. It was there. You know, the fo- it, they're all photos. You know, it's 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 each individual scene is a snapshot of present, past, future. And I know I'm sound like I'm 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 sound crazy now, but the inconsistency and the beautifulness um, of just making something and making models and making the the desert, the sets and the characters is just gorgeous and it will always ever it will always be gorgeous you know what i mean and i love handmade i love handmade art i love handmade uh, movies that you know you know when people make these stop motion films they're just gorgeous um and it, it is you can just see the the, the like it's evolved now. You don't just have like plasticine. You have like models, which are like little. If anything, they're like miniature little robots where they have little joints in the arms, so you can artic- articulate the arms uh, well. And they've got little um, like it's like a it's like a, the best way to explain it. If you saw one of the heads of these characters, it's like an internal mechanism. It's like a watch, but it's it's done in such a way that you can animate it, so the animators can easily move the eyebrows and have more facial expressions and not have to because way it used to be in stop motion was the fact of you would have like multiple like say 10 to 20 different heads for one character and each one head would be a different expression you know it'd be it'd be a shock that you'd have a surprise you'd have a happy and it would each one of them would be different a different type of happy and you'd have to change them around all the time with these robotic ones is the fact of you can just kind of have the robot move the mouth a little individual bit and then the mouth would get wider and wider and that means you don't mean so many heads but for this movie they had multiple heads they kept pinocchio very traditional the character model of pinocchio they kept it very traditional mostly because He's made out of wood. Wood doesn't move, but his mouth does move. You know what I mean? So every grain, every bit of bark from the tree all stays the same. That never moves. But his face, mouth does. So they have to keep that that consistency of his head changing constantly. So they're, they're bringing in the, the new techniques of stop motion animation and they're keeping the old stuff and reusing. And it's, oh, it's, it's the making of this film is oh, just gorgeous. And it just, oh, I'm so glad I watched it because it gives me a lot more to talk about and a lot more to share. So it's very beautiful um, how they made this world. But it's not just the world and the characters that are beautiful or the, even the story. You know, it, it's it's the it's the music as well the music is 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 italian because obviously the the whole story of pinocchio is an italian story and this whole movie takes place in mostly in a little village in italy um during the second world war and the music reflects that so you, you don't just have the sets you don't just have the, have the character designs everything just looks gorgeous all the characters look gorgeous and the music helps with that the music tells the story and i've said this many times about films you know it's all well and good what's going on in the scene but without the music to kind of boost and support whatever it is is going on in the scene whatever wherever you're going for if you're going for suspense if you're going for drama if you're going for emotion if you don't have the music to back up that um, expression that feeling 
you're going to fall flat. And in this film, every single scene has its own emotion, has its own feeling in the music. You can tell when we're somewhere new because the music has changed, but the music fits where you are. Absolutely gorgeous. I, I just chef's kiss i fall in love and you know the, the gorgeous visuals and the gorgeous music and 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 the, and the wonderful story and i'll i'll get onto the story and how it's a twist and oh it's fantastic um all that accumulates to this movie being a, a winner at the oscars for best animated movie fe uh, feature this year so it won at the oscars for the best animated movie and no like no doubt like, in my mind, if you hadn't told me that this movie had won best at the Oscars, if I hadn't known and you told me that, I would believe it 100%. You know, so this if that doesn't, if my review doesn't do anything for you, um, who, and you don't believe what I say, take that as, as, as a complete validation that it won an Oscar for being the best animated movie of last year. You know what I mean? It's that good. And it was it's recognised by everybody of being that good, you know. So I just wanted to take a long... I know it took 11 minutes talking about the visuals, but I just had to gush over the beauty of, of the hand of the handmade sets and the characters and the music and the stop motion. I just had to sort of um, sort of splurge a bit on, on that. I, I just love it so much. But anyway, I'll move on. Um, so this is a very dark and mature movie. Um, this movie deals with with death this movie deals with love it deals with loss it deals with um fascism um it deals with um the war it it it, it it's 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 the Pinocchio story that you know, but completely different. You know, it's a very dark movie. This is not like kids could watch it. I'm like, it's not. I'm not saying it's dark as in like it's too dark or not for kids. Kids could watch this, but it's very much of the vein of this is art. You know, this is taking the story of Pinocchio that you know, but you don't know this story. You know, this is taking the original and putting a new sort of um, coat of paint on top and goes, this is the Pinocchio that you know, but it's done differently. And it's very dark and it's very mature and it's it's emotional and it's art. It's it's creativity. It's wonderful purely wonderful um the make like there's there's this for example there's a scene that i i noted in my notes where geppetto is making pinocchio and if when i was watching the scene i was just having the sort of um wave of nostalgia because i feel like i'd seen this scene before and when it hit me where i seen the scene before it was straight out of frankenstein's monster it was straight of dr frankenstein making his creation you know there was lightning in this scene there was you know moments where geppetto he's drunk he he's emotional after the the um well i don't want to say why but he was very emotional very sad it, it, very much of like he was just depressed so he's like ch chopped down this tree and he's building pinocchio and you can tell that he, as he's building pinocchio he's being really careful at first and then as kind of the like because he's drunk and he's very much, you know, emotionally driven, he's very much the fact of you can just see halfway through building Pinocchio, we just rushes of like ah, you know, and it's like you can see him shaving the wood carvings off, and it's done very much the fact of it's like he's ripping this tree apart and he's creating life from it, you know what I mean? It's very Frankenstein's monster. It's very horror 
very style not scary but very sort of the horror classic driven very Gamero del Toro very much in the same vein as what he's used to um and even like when you first meet Pinocchio when Geppetto first meets um Pinocchio it's very like the best way I can explain it um Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness when the Scarlet Witch comes out of the mirror and she's all contorted and like she has to break bones and she has to twist and head turns and whole body does this whole contortion move thing it's very much like that obviously he's made out of wood and he's got like rivets and bolts so he can do all these movements but it's very much of like you know evil dead where he comes up and he's and hi hello father he's just contorting i'm like that's that's creepy but it's done in such a fantastical childish sort of way where it's creepy but it's funny and i'm like whoa i can't believe you went there but i'm glad you did it it's it's uh, again a very much del toro move but it again it's done in such a way where it's, it's fun um but moving on, you know, this this movie, Pinocchio, it's a story of, of love and loss. It's one thing that this film's kind of, this version of, I'll say, Pinocchio, which made me notice something that I'd never noticed before um, in the Disney Pinocchio, any of the versions of Pinocchio that I've seen. Pinocchio is a story of love. It's a story of loss. It's a story. The, this is, I'm not about the true story of Pinocchio. I'm not about the Disney version of Pinocchio. I'm not about the original version of Pinocchio. It's very much about... Um, loss when somebody loses something and somebody wishes that they had back what they lost and it's about the love for those that you have lost and and what you get might not be um, overly what you hoped for what you'd wished for but you you can still love it just the same you know it might not be what you lost but it's something and that's better than having nothing you know what I mean it's very beautiful it's it's very again it's very emotional and it the way this movie is done, which I will, I promise I will get on to the story in a minute, but it's very love focused. It's very lost focused. It's it's very motion driven um, for this movie. And and I did think at first when I wanted to talk about this film of when I after I watched it, I was like, should I talk about spoilers? Um, and there are certain parts in this movie where it does follow the vein of of Pinocchio that you know, but. There are things that are different, and it's those things that are different which what makes this movie special, which I won't spoil. Um, so I'll try to keep those parts to myself. Um, but just trust me, those parts do work fantastically. And what and when when you watch the movie and you go in knowing what I've said about love and loss, those parts will make more sense. Trust me. Um, the horror notes are there. Um, you can, st- you know, even if really mild, the horror notes are still there. There's the suspense, the creepiness, the 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 way that Pinocchio is at first. Because again, he's he's a little boy. He's a child. You know, he's very sort of childistic sort of manner, but he is a very still walking piece of wood. You know what I mean? That he has been put together like the designer Pinocchio. He's got like because Pinocchio made like Geppetto made Pinocchio when he was drunk in a blind rage, in emotion. So he he wasn't. Like he's not, shall we say, you know, how can it, how can it, he's not the best, well made. He's not best put together. So there are, you know, you can see the 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 bits of um, nails that have just been hammered in willy nilly in the arms, in the back to kind of keep the wood together. You can see like there's cracks in the head where like Geppetto was a bit too rough as he was chiseling, so he's had to put clamps on. I'm not saying he looks completely Frankenstein, but there are still very mild horror aspects into it whether how Pinocchio acts at times and and how certain characters look and certain set designs and certain things like that where you can tell very much it's very suspenseful it's very again Frankenstein's monster where Geppetto is Frankenstein he is now created 
an abomination. I'm not saying Pinocchio is an abomination, but he's created something that is ungodly or normal or natural, uh, but is as sweet as a nut because he's innocent. He doesn't know anything. He's just a, a, a being of wonder, a being of like, what's this? What's this? There's magic in the air. What's this? There's white things everywhere. You know, he's very Jack Skeleton. He's very much of like, I'm curious. What is this? What's that? Why has this happened? Why has that happened? I want to know everything. Tell me everything. He's the childlike wonder that we don't see much anymore because of technology. Um, so it's very beautiful in that side. So it is uh, very horror-focused, but not completely. It's mild. And it, it's, it's again, it's done wonderfully. Um, another thing that I, I want to mention, I, I underlined this, and I wrote it in big capital letters, was it's a musical. Yes, th- this movie is a musical. Um, there's when at the start of the film there is a little musical between Geppetto and his son, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's it's, it's lovely. Um, and I just thought, oh, that's a one-off. You know, there's going to do one. No, this this movie, it's not co- a complete musical, but it has a lot of musical numbers where characters sing, and it's just, you know, how much I love a musical. I love musicals. I love them. So I I I I'm just enthralled with musicals. Like most of my phone, like the songs on my phone are mostly musicals. I'll be honest, most of the most of the songs on my phone are from Sweeney Todd, Demon Barber, but I have got some Les Misérables. I love Melis uh, uh, I just said it and I can't say it again. Les Misérables. I've got a uh, Moulin Rouge. You know, um, I just I love musicals. I really, really do. So when they started, when I started singing on the regular, I was like, "Is it musical? I love it." Um, one of my favorites is "Chow Papa," which is a song that Pinocchio sings, and I won't say as to why or the context behind it. But I, I wanted to try my best to kind of sing it. I'll only do a few lines, so I'm not going to do loads. Have a drink of uh, tea to get me ready. So I'm not doing that song. So if this is bad, I do apologize. Right? Um, so here we go. Ciao, papa, mio papa, time has come to say farewell. For how long will I go? Is it far? No one knows, no one can tell. If I'm gone for a long, long time, I'll pack away a piece of shine. The sounds of birds cheeping with bells, dreaming of plums, two bags of shells. The smell of bread, a drop of wine, your memory, a father of mine. Farewell, my papa. Again, I completely butchered it. I can sing, but this one, it does is only good unless it's like with a childlike voice, um, with music in the background. Otherwise, a twenty-five-year-old, it just doesn't work. Um, but I highly recommend going out and onto YouTube and searching "Ciao, Papa." It's a beautiful song. It's a sad song. Um, it's gorgeous. And it, there's even a song in it, which is no singing at all, which is, it's just a theme tune. It's called Carlo's Theme. And that is just beautiful. Like I, I know I'm going to do it and you're going to, all my old fans are going to basically, um, going to say, oh, here we go again. But it reminds me of um, Amelie. I'm a like I'm a huge Amelie fan. I'm an unapologetic Amelie fan. Okay, I love that movie to bits. It's one of my favorite all time movies, right? Um, but this theme reminded me very much of Amelie, and it it did the same for me that Amelie did when I first watched it. Was that it, I don't know where it took me, but it transported me back to my youth. It took me back to a time where I felt a child again, where I felt that there wasn't a care in the world that I could get up early hours in the morning 
watching breakfast in my pajamas and just watch Dick and Dom in the bungalow and stuff like that. Or I could just forget about the woes of life because I didn't have any woes of life. I didn't have any cares and have any attachments. I didn't have to worry about money or girlfriends or partners or anything like that. I generally could just do whatever I wanted. My The world was my oyster and I, had, and I could question everything. And I, you, I still can question everything. But it, again, it's that childlike wonder, you know. And it, it, the song just took me back to being a child again. And it's that sort of nostalgia that I chase. And it's I, I'd like to think that, you know, that's the reason why a lot of you, you, you listeners are here is because you're also chasing that nostalgia train of your youth, of when you were younger, you know. Um, so it, it for that, you know, it's 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 very beautiful. But I, I just... I just had to mention that it was it, there was there's musical notes in this, and I know I really butchered Chow Papa, um, but I don't care because I generally I'm just uh, in love with 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 this film. So sue me. Um, as moving on, uh, the cast is incredible, especially Hugh, McGre- uh, Hugh McGregor as Jiminy Cricket. So in this movie, we've got a star-studded cast, right? Absolutely incredible, right? So we've got Hugh McGregor as Jiminy Cricket. David Bradley as Geppetto. We have Gregory, Gregory Mann as Pinocchio. Bern Gorman as the priest. We've got Ron Polman. Um, obviously, we have to have Ron Polman in it, obviously. Uh, he plays Podesta, who is like a... They don't call him Nazis, but he's like a very sort of German sort of... Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, then you've got John Turow, who plays Dot- Dottoro. You've got Finn Wolfhard, who plays Candlewick who is the son of Podesta. Um, you've got Kate Blanchett, Planchet, who plays uh, Pastura. Um, Pastura is a, a monkey, and she doesn't talk. She just makes monkey noises. But you, I didn't know it was Kate Blanchett till I watched the making of. I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God, Kate Blanchett is in this movie, and she plays a monkey. Um, then you've got Tim Blake Nelson, who plays uh, the Black Rabbits. Christopher Waltz, who plays um, Count Volpe. Um, Tilda Swindon's in this. She plays the Wood Spirit, who is basically life, which I'll get onto that in a minute. Um, you got Tom Kenny, who's the voice of SpongeBob. He's in it playing Mussolini. Yes, Mussolini, the Mussolini. He's in this movie. Um, you've got Alfie Tempest, voice of Carlo. Um, oh, where is it now? Oh, the voice of death is not on here. Um, but overall, Fantastic star cast, but I wanted to mention um, Hugh McGregor because Hugh McGregor is basically the narrator of this movie and he narrates the story of Pinocchio and what's happening and what happens before Pinocchio comes and that sort of thing. And Hugh McGregor just does a fantastic job. Like Hugh McGregor, he, he, he's just a fantastic actor. But he does a he does a great job as Jiminy Cricket here. He's funny, he's witty, he's an explorer, he's an adventurer, he's a cricket that's lived a long life. Before he met Pinocchio, he's well travelled, he's travelled around the world. You know, he, he he wants to be a writer, he wants to write a book. His his plan is just to sit down after a long travel in his youth to to write his memoirs. And then he gets caught up in, in, in the story with Pinocchio and he just starts trying his best to be the conscious, to be the sort of inner soul of Pinocchio. When Pinocchio doesn't have a soul, he tries to be the soul of Pinocchio, tries to be the heart of Pinocchio and tries to, like the conscience, you know, try to tell him, don't do this, don't do that, follow, like, listen to your father, don't tell lies. He, he does it in such a beautiful way. That's had to mention how good Ewan McGregor is in this role. Um, 
now we're on to the story part. I know I've taken a while to get here, but there's a lot to talk about before we get to the story. Um, so now we're at the story. So as I mentioned, this story follows the 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 kind of Pinocchio story that you know, but it's done in such a way where it's different. So it's Pinocchio, but set in World War Two Italy. Um, like I mentioned, there's fascism. Uh, there's not exactly, shall we say, Nazis, um, but there are. So basically, there is, but they've changed the logo, so it's not what you, the sort of um, the swastika. It's not none of that. Um, it's done. It's done differently. But just looking at them, you can tell who they are, right? Um, Mussolini, like I said, he's in this film as well. You see him, and it's all all done in such in such a, a, a odd way. But like, it all makes sense in the film. Um, You'd never think to put Pinocchio in World War Two, World War Two Italy, but it 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 works. It's fantastically, you know. And like I said, this movie it follows Pinocchio's story that you know. So Pinocchio goes to the carnival, he joins the circus. That's all the same, you know. Um, instead, like there's one where instead of Pinocchio going to a um, sort of the land for for boys to go and to play and to frolic and become an ass um it's basically he goes to a youth camp um and that's all i'm going to say about that one um it's very much changed very much different but what always stays the same is that childlike mind of pinocchio he, even though he's in a world where he does not understand he does not know he does not understand the ramifications of what is going on in, in the situation he's in i.e. World War Two, Italy, what's going on. Even though it never dwells, the story never dwells on it, and Pinocchio never dwells on it. It never, Pinocchio never asks questions of who's that, why should I care, blah, 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 blah. It's all very much the childlike of like, I'm just living life. I'm, I'm just, I'm full of wonder. I'm full of passion. I'm, I'm full of carefree, abundant. I just don't care what's going on around me. And again, that's why kids should be. Kids should never have to worry about what's going on in the outside world. Kids should just be kids while they can be. You know what I mean? And you know, that's what I love, again, so much is that it's changed the game of what a, not just Pinocchio movie, what a, a kid's movie could be. You know, it's it's not even this movie doesn't even get political. Like there's politics politics in it, but it doesn't get political. But again, it's all done in such a way in the narrative that I I don't think I would ever like. You, if you ever told me you were going to put Pinocchio in World War Two and this is how the story was going to tell and there was going to be, you know, there were going to be moments where you know Pinocchio dies in this movie multiple times, right? And he meets death and he has conversations with death and he has conversations with life, the spirit of life. And he has the conversation with the spirit of death. And, um, you know, each time he, he dies and each time he has a chat with death, he has to spend a little bit longer in the afterlife before he, before he can come back. And each time he talks to death and he has a conversation again, it's that childlike wonder of, but why, but why is this? And the death tells him the, 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 the the mistakes he's made and it teaches uh, Pinocchio like but Pinocchio doesn't mature in this movie but he becomes a lot more understanding of the world and how things work and the whole life and death and the meaning of life and why life is so important to those that only live once and where Pinocchio only lives lives multiple times how he realizes that yeah he can die and come back but we don't you know what I mean and he learns that lesson you know um so like <laughs> the the movie following this the, the the movie had me tearing up at the near by the end i was really emotional by the end because 
like I said, it's a movie of life. It's a movie of death. You know, and there's a great quote at the very, very end of this movie by Hugh McGregor. And he basically goes, what happens, happens. And then we are gone. You know, and I don't want to spoil what happens. And I don't I don't want to sort of explain what that that quote's pertaining to and what it means or anything like that. I don't want to spoil that. Um, but like I mentioned, this 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 movie is about life. It's about death. It's about love. It's about loss. It's about living, really. It's about what happens. You know, you only get one go in life. So live, you know, again, I'll reiterate what happens, happens. You can't change it. Whatever happens in life, you can't change it or can't take it back. And then we are and then we are gone. So love it while you can. Enjoy life while you can. Live free, live wild. Carpe diem. Seize the day. You know, get up, make your bed. If it, that way, even if you have a bad day, at least you've got a, a you know a made bed to come home to. You know, with little goals, little things. Enjoy life. Again, carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the moment. You know, and that's what this movie's about. It's 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 taken the formula of Pinocchio, and just put in you know life death childlike wonderment you know um there were like the ending reminded me and this might give i don't think it will give it away but it might do depends on how much of a movie fan you are but the ending of this movie reminded me very much of the green mile and edward scissorhands um now if you've seen those movies and you know how they end you might understand how this movie ends or somewhat the somewhat concept behind it um if not, again, I, I, I will say this and I will reiterate it multiple times. But once you watch this movie, which you should, um, that will make sense. The Ed, the Edward Scissorhands and the Green Mile um, not references that I mentioned there, how this movie ends, will make sense. Just trust me. Okay. Um, and like I said, it almost had me in tears at this minute. Like I was, I, I was emotional. You know, I, I was tearing up, okay, my glasses, I wear glasses, right, they were steaming up because I was getting that hot, okay, I, I had to take them off and I was just crying, it was, it's, I, I would love to go into spoilers and explain every detail of, of why it's so emotional, but those what makes this, those moments are what make this movie special. So I can't, I don't want to ruin that for anybody, I want people to go into this movie completely just think they're going to just to go into expecting they're going to find a Pinocchio story with a twist and that's all I want to leave people with and that's the best I can do um is just try to leave people with that idea and then just to try it you know what I mean um but one thing again as I mentioned at the beginning of, of this review um I did sit and watch the the 30 minute making of um documentary about how they made this movie and that documentary went into everything how they um went into designing the characters how they went into designing the sets and Guillermo del Toro again he shares my love of stop motion he shares my love of animation and um he spoke about um how he again he agrees and he believes that stop motion is kind of the last sort of uh, um, art form of stop motion the last sort of stepping stone of of what sort of animation should be you know, without the whole computers and the whole computer generated, it's a beautiful medium and that um, it should be 
done a lot more and should be sort of more widely used in an, an animated studios, um, which I look forward to seeing uh, Guillermo del Toro making more stop motion films or even just more animated movies in general. Um, but it was also beautiful to see about how the characters are made. Like Guillermo del Toro, he wanted the characters to, to basically feel real. Like before the cameras started rolling, he wanted the characters to feel like they had lived a life. Before the stories began, before the, you, the viewer, me, the viewer, watched this movie, you know, he wanted those characters to have age, to have dirt. He, he didn't want them to be pristine new models. He wanted the characters, like Geppetto, for example, he wanted him to be dirty. He wanted him to have fing- like dirty fingers because he's a craftsman. But at the same stage, he's gone through a lot of depression. He's gone through a lot of drinking, a lot of abuse. He's an alcoholic. You know, you want him to have alcohol stains down him. You want his clothes to be tidy. You want him to be all dirty and grimy and have a long beard. And you want each character just to feel real. You just don't want him to look clean. You know what I mean? Um, and it was just incredible just to kind of sit and watch again a master at work a guy who who loves cinema who loves old cinema and he was just trying to tell a story in a, in, a, in a different medium but still keep it as if it was done as an actual movie you know and it, it's just wonderful to see him at work and it was fascinating as well to see how they shot the scenes with Pinocchio where like they had different size models for Pinocchio so if it's like close up you'd have a model that was like you know a standard sort of little tiny little action figure size model and then they had huge versions of Pinocchio huge bits of Pinocchio's body and head that they basically use for the more closer shots when the bigger and they had like big versions of Jiminy Cricket as well or Sebastian J Cricket as they call it in the movie you know um you had big versions you know small versions, you know, tiny versions of jiminy that were like so big that like they were as big as a pea you know what i mean and they're for long shots close shots um there were moments for like you needed a certain sort of a, a certain size jiminy for when he got like he was getting smushed and squashed by people's feet and books and stuff like that um it was just wonderful and, and fantastic to see what went in to making this movie we're like there's this there's this one like you spend a good bit of this movie at the beginning anyway in this church and Grimelda Toro wanted this church to basically feel like an authentic real life church because in real life you have to imagine especially say for in Italy for example during the 1940s um, you had the original foundations of original sort of Roman sort of little villages little towns and then on top of that you have the ruins you have the foundation and on top of that you had the more modern houses that were built during you know the 1920s and so on and so forth um, of these little seaside villages and towns and make it a bit more modernize it but you still have the very old fashioned look to them. And again, it's, it's the same with the uh, church. You could tell that this church was built in a certain time, but you know, it took so long to build churches back in the day that by the time the church was finished, you know, it wouldn't, it would look the same, but you could tell that the brickwork was different, that things, people had got better. People knew what they were doing. You'd have people would put glass in at one stage and then by the time they got around to finishing off all the glass, you know, it would be different sort of levels of glass. It'd be different sort of designs of glass, a different sort of makes because times had changed, years had passed, new, like old uh, designers and architects and builders had died and the younger crowd had come in and 
they'd put their hand to it. So you can see the different levels of how, you know, these buildings changed over times. And again, it, you didn't have to put that much effort. You didn't have to put that much work into into basically layer caking these sets and these models. But again, German Dutchoy is perfectionist. He was like, well, I want it to feel real. If we were going to make a movie, this is what we would do anyway, you know, so why not make it look somewhat real, you know, and there's a moment in, in the film where that church gets destroyed, um, but it's still partly together. But the town still um, visit church, still visit the chapel to 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 pray to, to God, to pray to Jesus, to to, you know, repent and all that. But again, it's still very much of like, yes, it's it's half destroyed, but it's still beautiful. You know what I mean? It's still looked after as best as the people of the town could. You know what I mean? And it's not just that. It's, it's the buildings and everything and all the characters just have this extra bit of detail, which, again, is not really necessary, but the, it's there to kind of pump up sort of, again, Everything is there to benefit the story. Everything's there to, to push up and actually make you believe that this is a real world. This is these characters are real. That this story was already already began before I was born. This story had already been being told. I'd only just turned the TV on, and I I picked up right at the exact moment that Geppetto meets uh, Pinocchio. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say. You get it. Um, it's very wonderful and very mastercraft and. Um, this movie, if anything, is definitely one to watch. I I I I can't reinstate that more. If you haven't seen this movie, please do. You know, watch it, enjoy it, embrace it, take it all in. You know, and then let it sit with you. Let it um, brew. Let it bubble. Let it boil. Let it ferment. Let it mature. You know, and take it all in, and. I don't know, just enjoy it. You know what I mean? I, I, I know I did. I know I have. Um, and it's going to be one that I'd recommend to a lot of people for a long time. Um, it's one of my, this as of this year, it's probably one of the, my, my favourite films I've seen this year. I know it came out last year, but this year it's one of my favourite films that I've watched. And like, I just I was just having a look on my computer. Um, the movie's got a 97 percent on Rotten Tomatoes so this movie is basically certified fresh um, that means 97 percent of all reviewers loved it and it's got a 90 percent audience score so if that doesn't basically tell you that you should go watch this movie and if my review hasn't told you that and if the Oscar win of that this movie received didn't tell you then I, I don't know what will but what I will say is that Whatever happens, happens, and then we are gone. So before we're gone, watch Pinocchio on Netflix by Guillermo del Toro. In what, enjoy it, embrace it, love it, and just let me know what you think. I really want to know because this movie is magical, and it's way better than Disney, way better than anything that Disney have done. Um, generally, in terms of storytelling and narrative, it's better than the Disney remake. Um, and I'd even go as far as to say it's better than the the original Disney animated movie. I know that's that's fighting words and that's dangerous talk, but I generally think it might be, in my opinion. But that's all she wrote. 
that's all I have to say about it. I've been talking for 41 minutes now. Um, I could talk about like this Miss movie for longer. I really could. Um, especially if I was doing the spoiler version. I, this movie, this review would be 10 times longer. Um, but yeah, that that's my review of Gamel Del Toro's Pinocchio. Definitely watch it um, and let me know what you think. And um, yeah, so off to the end now. I'm going to wrap things up nicely. So I'll catch you in the end. So here we are at the end. Um, one thing I want to mention quickly before I get into sort of the boring sort of, you know, thumbnail plugs and all this kind of stuff. Um, I just had a look that the Pinocchio movie, the remake on with Tom Hanks that they did, um, only scored a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes and had an audience score of 28. Um, now, even though I brought up the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score for the end of the review and I bring it up now, I'll be honest with you, I don't really tend to follow the um, sort of uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. I don't let it judge my enjoyment of a film because there are a lot of movies that I really deeply enjoy that have a low score on Rotten Tomatoes, you know? It's the same with video games. I don't take any notice of IGN. Whenever IGN gives a game a low score, I really don't take any notice. Um, and I don't. Re I really recommend you don't either, to be honest. Um, but the only reason I bring it up is just is just kind of to give you a gauge of like the Gamal del Toro's got like 97. That's 97% of reviewers liked it. And that means that only 3% didn't. Whereas you've got 29% of... Um, people of reviewers who saw um the movie this film really didn't like it um really didn't like it at all a major majority of them are bad but I, I i'm not here to 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 you know to throw poop at um disney's uh, remake you know anything like that um like i said i did my review on it um i feel like it was an all right film but really didn't need to exist if we're being completely honest with each other but i just wanted to mention it i just wanted to bring it up to kind of give you a, a gauge but um yes yeah, so that's my thoughts and feelings on gamoda del toro's pinocchio um if you're listening to this on sort of spotify or you're listening to this on youtube um don't forget to um let me know what your thoughts and feelings. Did you have you seen this movie? Do you want to see it now? Uh, do you feel like do you do you like my singing? Do you think that I should have sung at all? Uh, you know anything like that? You know if if you're listening on Spotify, tweet me your thoughts, your feelings. I'd love to hear your thinks any uh, what you think there. Again, uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to uh, comment. I'll most likely be putting a pinned comment at the top of this episode. So just look for the pinned comment. It most likely be a question around about the same sort of thing that I've just said of like, what do you think of the film, feedback, all that jazz. And just reply to that and we can start a bit of a dialogue. Uh, also, don't forget to like and subscribe and all that jazz. You know, you know how it is. We got to build a we got to build a platform here. Um, but yes, so onto the onto the uh, boring plugs. Um, so if you want to get to know me and you want to know what i'm doing then make sure to follow me on twitter at nerdstagic underscore pod you can also find this podcast on spotify anchor which is now actually um spotify podcast it's not called anchor anymore it's called spotify podcasts uh, but if you still search anchor on google it will it will come up as spotify podcast so you can still kind of somewhat find it um 
You can also find me on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, Audible, as well as YouTube. Again, like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. Really do appreciate it greatly. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, don't get forget to give me a star rating of one to five stars. Five stars, best thing you ever heard in your life. You love it. You love me. You love Pinocchio. We should be together. We're like family. Um, or one star where you just hated everything. You disagree with me and you think that the uh, remake of... Um, Pinocchio was basically the best ever and that I'm wrong again whatever you feel like is fair one two three four five um, stars will greatly be appreciated immensely and yeah so my beans my wonderful beans this is being Luke uh, your host Luke the human um, hope you're all well and I hope you all enjoyed it um, I know I did this is going to be a fantastic episode I know um, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. Um, 65 episodes. What can you say? You know, 65 episodes of hardcore nerdism. And I'm still here. And, you know, here's to another 100. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who stayed, who stuck with me this long. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening up until six, listen for 65 episodes. That's just fantastic. If you have, again, I really love it and appreciate it. And, um, yeah, so... Here's till we till we reach a hundred. When we reach a hundred, I don't know what I'll be doing or what I talk about. Maybe I talk. Of, I'll find another Pinocchio movie to talk about. Um, who knows? But whatever I decide to do, um, I hope that you beans will be there with me to celebrate and enjoy it. Um, so until the next time, I have been your host Luke. Uh, thank you for listening to the Nerd Sandwich Podcast, and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye bye beans. <laughs>